Elastic.io launched his company in 2013, grew it to about a million dollars in revenue before selling it in 2017 to a larger company. That It's now grown, obviously, the last disclosed public numbers were about 2.3 million uh, euros uh, in revenue. They continue to grow rapidly, and that's on $900,000 of EBITDA, which is obviously nice growth, health, healthy growth. Uh, they did this all bootstrapped, which is obviously a great story, serving hundreds of customers in the Zapier kind of MuleSoft space, uh, iPass space, scaling up to 50 folks on the the team today. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Renat Zubarov. He is the CEO and co-founder of Elastic.io. Before Talend, DHL, and Novia, he's also a geek and a father of three, but now, again, full-time focused on Elastic, which is helping bring data from apps and clouds together. Renat, you ready to take us to the top? Oh, yes. All right. I'm ready. Thanks. Okay. So g- give some context here first. If people missed your first interview with me, uh, Elastic is very much in the space of kind of, a, you know, Zapier or, or more enterprise like MuleSoft. Where to kind of put yourself on the spectrum? Yeah, it's somewhere between uh, Zapier and MuleSoft, I would say. Okay. <laughs> so we are more complicated, more complicated, more flexible than Zapier, uh, but uh, let's say less uh, comprehensive or let's say less broadly spread across the different industries than MuleSoft and less enterprises than MuleSoft. Yep. Yeah. And you are, this interview is also a little bit different because you have sold the company. You're now basically running the company inside of another company, correct? Correct, yes. When did you launch the company in the first place? We launched in 2013. Uh, we were three co-founders, so three founders of Elastic. And we sold it in the May of uh, 2017, actually. Okay. okay, so guys, if you want the story of why they sold in 2017, we cover that back in the first interview together. So you can just search Elastic Latka and that interview will pop up. So we're not going to talk much about that. But Renat, what I'm curious about is is what is product development? I mean, what what have things looked like since the acquisition? You know, a lot of times when founders are acquired, they're sold on things like you know, take our stock price as part of the deal. Our stock's going to go up and you get less cash or stick with us for four years and you'll get an earn out. But sometimes they lose control of their ability to earn the earn out. How are these things panning out for you? Oh, so far, pretty well, I would say. I think at the time when, when uh, the, our parent company nowadays acquired us, we were just like, we were not a big company. We were a small company at the time. Uh, and definitely it was a strategic direction of a company which is now a parent company called Envice AG to become more involved in particular product um, product verticals, I would say. And uh, so far, we were able to grow like 100% year to year with the help. And it was actually playing very well for all of our companies, so for Elastic.io as well as for Envice. And where were you when you sold the company? You said small company. Can you quantify that? Are we talking like a million run rate? Yeah, around about. So we were actually pretty small at the time. So we were running on around about uh, one one million run rate at the time, and uh, then we grew like like hundred percent year to year. That's amazing. So so, two, so break two million in in twenty eighteen and four million last year. Um, I couldn't comment on exact numbers uh, as a part of um, publicly traded company, and by the G is publicly traded company. Mm-hmm. Our numbers are pretty much public, so you can really check them, and everyone can check them. Well, so save the, us from doing the research. Save us from doing the research, yeah. though. Yeah, we actually so the last year numbers are not published yet. They're going going out um, uh, rather soon. But the 2018 numbers, we did uh, almost. Um, I think we did around about 2.3 million euro revenue, okay. and uh, almost 900,000 uh, EBT. That's great. That's great. That's cash flow, so right? 
highly profitable kind of yeah yeah okay very good and then now let's dive into the now we understand the economics let's dive into the product a little bit so launch 2013 sell in 2017 you've grown nicely inside of another company what has changed about the product over the past two years what we see is uh, that the market where we're working in is expanding dramatically right and uh, there are many many additional areas which are now included or, or grown up into the integration area and integration is becoming more and more important ever since actually this development. Um, another part of it was it that obviously by growing markets, there needs to be a specialization. And definitely what we see now, a bigger market fragmentation and bigger specialization by, I think Gartner counted like 98 iPad vendors now. And they actually know who is iPad and who's not, you know, like want to be iPad, but not iPad at all. And this is actually means that each iPad vendor needs to define their own category, find their own place in the bigger market, growing market, but there still needs to be a good niche in this market. And what we see now is that the specialization is, is kicking in. So there the are different areas where we specialize and different areas where our competitors specialize. Like Zapier, for example, is for small customers. Mulesoft is like for big enterprises, like I don't know, Fortune 50, and then somewhere in between. How many customers are you serving now today, paying customers? Unfortunately, I couldn't disclose this information. Well, what's the so, last? What's the last disclosed number? Uh, I could not remember, to be honest. I I, I could not remember right now. Okay. I, I, this is like tricky information because obviously, in a bigger company, we we have a current customers, and it's now hard to differentiate between the customers of us and customers of Mbice. As now, obviously, one of the reasons Mbice for acquire us is to leverage their customer base in order to to resell them our product. And actually, it was working very well over the last couple of years. Well, yeah, that, that's why I asked the question. Was that's usually why an acquisition happens? Um, so, did, yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess do you, do you not remember what last publicly went out, or did they not release anything publicly? I I don't know to be honest. Okay, yeah. Last last time you were on the show, which was back in January uh, January sixteenth of twenty eighteen, you said you were past two hundred customers. So, I mean, is it safe to assume you're north of that today? Definitely. Okay. Well, I mean, you laugh, but I don't know. It could have been small. Yeah. Sure. I mean, uh, for us, it's uh, definitely uh, one of our specialization is actually OEM and white label story, and this is uh, this is why we are very strong and we have very clear USP in the market and one of the market leaders in the sense. And uh, by playing the story, obviously, it's pretty interesting to see like what is a customer is a customer like our partner who is rebranding and OEMing our application. Or it's actually an end customer of this customer. So basically calculating the customer numbers is actually not very easy. How do you look at it? We see end customers of our ultimate customers. Okay. Right? Our OEM partners are definitely our customers. We we got paid by them through direct or the revenue share or whatever. There are different different models. But at the end of the day, our ultimate success is in success of our OEM customers, in success of the end customers. And this is our goal, right? We are only then successful when they are successful. And are you still kind of in that mid-market range? Specifically, you said the average customer last time we were on the show pays about $1,000 a month or $12,000 ACVs. Is that still the sweet spot? This, this pretty much so. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So back to your point, kind of, you know, more mid-markety than a Zapier, but less enterprisey than a MuleSoft. Can you explain exactly like a connection that one of your customers uses you guys to facilitate? For example, my audience knows, or maybe they do it on Zapier. They're thinking, oh yeah, I connect my Airtable to my Google Calendar using Zapier for $10 a month. What's a connection that one of your customers might do through Elastic? Well, it's definitely, it's very, 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 very different from our different either direct customers or our OEM customers. 
But one example could be like, we have a very interesting customer in the educational space, which is, uh, you could imagine now, um, very hot space in relation to news and releases. And they do, uh, for example, a student onboarding, student uh, alumni connection and student management system, which compose out of I don't know, 17, 18 different systems. And they definitely do work with systems like Moodle. They do work with systems like Active Directory. They are very much cloud affine, so they go cloud-first strategy, so they connect a lot of Azure services through Elastic. Then we definitely have a big bunch of our customers from a ERP perspective, so people connecting SAP, SAP by design, SAP R3, ECC6, and HANA, and variety of e-commerce systems. But, I mean, things like Salesforce, I think, and things like, uh, I don't know, uh, Marketo is definitely also on the list. And how many, you know, a lot of people look at HubSpot and they go, wow, a lot of the HubSpot success comes from their, you know, VAR net value out of reseller network of over 5,600 partners. What, I assume your OEMs are kind of the same way or your white label plans are kind of the same thing. Is that on the scale of thousands yet or is it like several hundred or several dozen? How many OEMs are you working with? Uh, we're not in the thousands of OEM yet. Okay. So between 100 and 1,000 is fair? Um, well, this is also, unfortunately, I can't disclose the exact number. So, or even this number range. Okay. What about team today? Have you guys added additional people? You were 20 people a year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. Right now, we, I think, almost doubled, more than doubled the team, the number of people. And again, right now, again, we are, we are working in a bigger organization, a bigger scope. And definitely, we found a very good combination of, let's say, services expertise of our parent company. So we're adding more and more people within our parent company to the services division who understand what we do, or understand our product implemented to the customers, but also we grow significantly on the product side. So I think right now in Elastica only, we are right now around about I don't know, 50 people, maybe a bit less. And uh, in total, in the context of Envice, we are more like, I don't know, 170. But again, this is not... Don't hold me for the numbers. No, it's okay. Is, uh, I'm just trying to get a general idea of, of composition of the team, right? So, so of the 30 hires that happened over the past two years, how many, like, actually just took your total team size today, how many are engineers versus quota-carrying salespeople? I think it would be, like, uh, of the new 30 hires, which we did, would be, um, I guess, maybe, like, 80-20% of the engineers and sales. So 80% engineers? Yeah. Yeah, 80% engineers and 90% sales and other activities. But obviously, we have a pretty significant, for for, for software as a service company, we, we definitely need a significant part of operations and support. So this is definitely something. Then it would be maybe even like less engineers. So operations support is something which is definitely very important for us. So we're actually very, very cautious in hiring there and also maintaining the people there. And the second is um, definitely the customer success. So the customer success and also working day to day with our OEM partners, uh, training, uh, go to market development, market development, solution development. This is all the areas of work where it would grow significantly. Do your customer success managers carry a quota? Not yet. <laughs> I mean, expansion quota, I would say, but yeah, not yet. No. They are or are or do not have an expansion quota. They do. They do not. They do not. Yet okay. And why? And why do you say? Why do you say not yet? Um, that could be changed in the future. Yeah. Tell me more about that. This is the trend that's happening right now. A lot of CEOs are thinking about doing this. So I want to get in your head a little bit. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's actually, it's pretty logical, especially taking, a, especially for our, for what we actually do, right? We, we sell a technological product, which bring an additional advantages to our customers. And generally speaking, there are two technology products 
exist, like two groups of products. One product which saves the money, one product that earns new money, right? So our product in OEM's case is not something that saves money. No, it actually earns money, right? So our partners, when they deploy our product, they either trying to be more sticky, right? So they actually, they think of us as expansion measure, right? We will help them to do an air expansion and negative revenue churn, or they want to sell more of their products through connections, through integrations and sell faster, right? So they actually internally calculating this um, account expansion for the end customer. But at the same time, we could potentially put this expansion goals or targets on our customer success people, but that we still need to understand better. You know, we need to, to before we put some goals and, and hard targets for to our customer success people, we need to understand like how this expansion work and what is reasonable to expect and what is not reasonable to expect. And we're still not there yet. Yep. Ignoring your CSMs for a second, currently today, how many quota carrying sales reps do you have? Um, unfortunately, I cannot also disclose this information. Oh, that's come on. That's like a link. I look, can look that up on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, sure. You're free to do so. <laughs> it, just, it just takes me time. You can't save me 10 minutes and just tell me. I mean, are we talking like five people or 20? Uh, I think we're less than 20 people. Okay, for sure. But again, fair enough. We are, we are working in a, in a, again, we are not only sales organization in Elastica, we also the sales organization in an Envise. And this is also one of the one of the areas where we're trying to, we're, we're, like over the last year, at the time we spoke last time, it was only like immediately after acquisition. So we were like, okay, it's pretty much standalone. But now we see a lot of business together with them, but we see a lot of customers together with them. But, and sales and marketing is actually also pretty much, pretty much merged. Mm-hmm. The, the reason I'm asking a lot of these questions is because last time you came on, you shared that gross revenue churn annually was about 12%. Um, and you said that you didn't really see strong expansion revenue yet, but it was something you were thinking about. So two questions. Has gross revenue churn annually gone down, number one? And number two, can you quantify expansion revenue today or the last reported numbers at least? Yeah, that's a lot of numbers uh, to really calculate in my top of my head. I, I couldn't really, I couldn't really now, now, now comment on these numbers right now, to be honest. Well, is churn not something that as a CEO of a SaaS company, you're not tracking on a daily basis? No, 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 no. I, but it's, 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 less, it's less than churn because again, expansion revenue, especially on our OEM customers, it's something, it's something very important for us. So we're pretty much, we're pretty much with the establishment of customer success organization, which actually happened not too, too long ago. I think it's less than a year. Uh, we definitely, this is one of the ways, one of the ways to address this. And, and, and let's say, uh, let's say a structural way to address this growth, right? Um, however, what we definitely see is a churn on direct accounts is higher than churn of OEMs, but but I mean, churn in what accounts? On, on direct, on direct accounts is higher than churn for EMs. Although in the mid market, we're not, we do not have like churn numbers in single percentage percentages per month. Right now, I mean, uh, when we were working with the smaller companies, obviously the churn numbers were like I don't know, two, three, five percent per month on on monthly basis, which is huge in the yearly basis. On middle, on the middle market, and also in the market where we are in, we are pretty sticky, I would say. And this stickiness is actually what we what we convey and provide to our OEM partners. Yeah. Okay. So it's fair to say then, you know, you're less than the gross revenue churn that you were two years ago. You've gotten better at that on a on a revenue yeah, basis. Not it's a, good. It's a good. It's a good to assume. Yeah. 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 Okay. Very good. Um. And so so another question here. There's a lot of stories where founders go through an acquisition like this into a bigger company. 
the bigger company then changes priorities over two or three years. And before you know it, I'm reading a headline that the founder figured out a way to spin the company back out of the main company. <laughs> Are you giving any thought to that? Or what would, what would the conditions have to be for you to, to, to pull that kind of trigger? Yeah, it's um, the conditions. I could imagine, I could imagine when the company changes the priorities, you know, and changes strategy. And this could happen for like a, a huge organization, which I could, which I could believe. Yeah. Um, but so far we haven't run into this problem, to be honest. I couldn't really, I couldn't really imagine the situation right now as, as a strategy, as a strategy, which we agreed on and which we actually communicated and, and, and spoke before the acquisition is pretty much there yet now for our parent company. They are actually even more committed to the strategies than, than actually was started before, before, because before we were like a bet, you know, it was like, okay, we could buy this company and see how it develops. It's still small. It's still like a few 20 people. I mean, that's nothing, right? But now over the years, we grow into the significant part of the revenue of our parent company and also significant strategical part of it. So far, I don't see this as a, as a good, as a, as a valid opportunity. Although I could imagine for, for some different scenario where it could be potential possible for other software service founders or company founders. Uh-huh. Well, I guess one of the reasons I ask is, is if a private entity was really interested in Elastic and came to, to MVICE AG and offered something that was higher. Let's say, for example, that you guys did, it's reported here. I'm reading June 2019, $5.21 million in revenue. Um, if if someone can, you're obviously trading at a multiple, right, of revenue or EBITDA. If someone came and offered uh, the company, the parent company, a higher multiple than what they're currently trading at for specifically elastic product and elastic revenue. Um, I'm curious how you think, obviously you can't say yes or no or what you're thinking, but I'm curious, at least the, the process, the discussion process of like how that would filter down to you as the founder of the company that would potentially spin back out. Um. I understand the question. Although, again, I think, you know, we are working with, with our brand company since already like two years, I mean, like this is the third year as we're working together. And uh, you couldn't really, you couldn't, when, when, I think I think it's not feasible now to separate these two companies from each other, you know, because the the way how we work together, the way how we actually merge together, the way how we, 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 we have a, a good combination of strengths and weaknesses on both parts, right? We were very much product company, less sales, less marketing, less professional services. The MIS is actually totally opposite. So there are no product expertise, but a lot of sales, project management, professional services, and marketing expertise. And these two combinations make totally sense. And the uh, interesting thing aside, we just like got significantly less expensive on the market, if you could check the numbers. <laughs> You know, the situation right now in the market, and I think the valuation of MBITS right now, including Elastic IO, is around about, if I could guess, like, okay, it's not 2nd of April today, maybe like, I don't know, 15, 16 million euro. Yeah. yeah. You're talking, is, obviously, we're talking about the virus, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's basically, uh, I think it's a very good opportunity. Like in every crisis, there's a lot of opportunities. Yep. No, that's right. On that note, let's wrap up here with the famous five or not. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, I think one of the, I think it's less, it's less, a, it's less a, a business book in a sense, but I think it's more like an interesting book, which I recently changed or recently read is, uh, uh slowly thinking, uh, fast thinking, slow thinking. So this is, uh, you mean um, thinking, thinking, thinking slow, fast thinking, and thinking fast and slow. Thinking, fast, slow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is very, very, very impressive work. And, uh, also I think watch the Nobel prize. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? 
I think right now it must be an Elon Musk, actually, especially after his activities here in Germany. <laughs> number number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your company? Um, I don't have a, re- a reference referral revenues here, but Dropbox Paper. So this is one of my favorite tools right now. What's it called? Dropbox Paper. Oh, Dropbox. Uh, the, the paper Dropbox. So Dropbox Paper is a product from Dropbox. It's like a notes product. It's maybe like oh, okay. something like Evernote. Yeah, but it's uh, Dropbox papers. You know, okay, very good. I hadn't heard of that before. Uh, number four, how many hours of sleep are you getting every night? Um, eight, when my children give me. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your situation? Married, ki- how many kids? Yeah, I have three kids. Okay, so married with three kids. And how, how old are you? I'm, uh, I will be 14 today. You're turning 40 today? Two days, in two days. Oh, in two days. Well, happy early birthday. That's exciting. Yeah. All right. Last question or not. Take us back to your 20-year-old self. What's something you wish you knew back then? Um, it always takes longer than you think. So be patient. Yeah. Guys, be patient. Elastic.io launches company in 2013, grew it to about a million dollars in revenue before selling it in 2017 to a larger company. That It's now grown, obviously. The last disclosed public numbers were about 2.3 million uh, euros uh, in revenue. They continue to grow rapidly, and that's on $900,000 of EBITDA, which is obviously nice growth, health, healthy growth. Uh, they did this all bootstrapped, which is obviously a great story, serving hundreds of customers in the Zapier kind of MuleSoft space, uh, iPass space, scaling up to 50 folks on the team today call it 80 percent engineers or not you wanted to add something on the end yeah it's a small correction we actually also had an investor which was bought out by the acquisition oh so how, we didn't actually how much have you raised i think there, this number was also not disclosed but it's uh it's actually a small seven digit number okay so less than a hundred thousand dollars uh seven digit three six oh seven, oh, seven got, it, got it got it got it got it okay so less than less than less than nine million it's less than two million in the euro. Oh, okay. Okay. Fair enough. Very good. Well, hey, listen, appreciate you taking us to the top. Thank you.